You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of Keeping Up with the Krakens, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your host, Tyler Bell, located in the snowy Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, I am joined here by my buddy, Alec Durham. How's it going today, brother? Not too bad, dog. Thanks. How about you? Oh, I'm doing not too bad. Can't complain. Can't complain. Uh, What's new with you right now? Oh, not a lot's new, you know, winter season. Spent the weekend at the rink, so nowhere else I'd rather be. Fair enough. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, I'm getting pumped up. We're getting some pretty cold temperatures here, and I'm thinking next week I'll probably be going out to uh maybe the Banff area, somewhere around there, try to find some nice lakes and hopefully uh do some pond hockey and go for a skate. Yeah, you got to enjoy that when it starts getting cold enough to get out on the pond. Yeah, yeah. The tricky thing is trying to find those those lakes that have frozen over but aren't covered in snow. So you kind of got to hope for good weather conditions and get a chance to you know, get out there and maybe get some cool picks and shit. And yeah, just in, just enjoy that weather outside and that Canadian culture. So yeah, pretty psyched up for that. Maybe in two months I'll get a pond skate in. <laughs> yeah, it always takes forever now in, in uh, southwestern Ontario where you're staying. So, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later for you. And, you know, when I visit for Christmas, hopefully uh, some of that is frozen up and I can get a chance to go skating back home. I miss having a white Christmas every year. You know, take that for granted growing up as a kid. And now it's just like, eh, fuck, flip a coin. Will it be green or white? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, chances it are. It might rain. Be green, yeah that's not uncommon now it's it's actually crazy uh the difference between when we were growing up you know 9 10 11 12 years old till you know you look 12 years later or so and just such a drastic difference in that location now isn't it oh it's stupid there used to be so much snow you'd get an actual couple months of pond skating in and now it feels like winter doesn't start till february and it's gone by the end of march yeah exactly it's 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 weird but i I do enjoy uh the weather out here and the snow and you know maybe not for six straight months out of the year but uh 
you know, you kind of have to take that in order to, to, to get those, uh, those good snowfalls out here and enjoy that kind of weather instead of, you know, being stuck in Southwestern Ontario where, you know, it snows a crap ton one day, then rains the next day. And it's just a slop fest. Yeah. And then freezes over overnight and just everyone loves to drive in it. Yeah, dude, it makes for terrible conditions on the road. Terrible, terrible everywhere even. But yeah, maybe we'll jump into some uh, crack and talk here. Just uh, going over the episode for today. Uh, we're going to be going over last week's games versus Arizona, Vegas, Anaheim, and Minnesota. Maybe jumping into some talk about what's been going wrong as of lately. Um and then we do have some tweets from some fans and some of their input too that we're going to go over. Uh, we want to preview games against uh, Chicago and Colorado that are upcoming this week. Got to talk about one of the best, uh, or not the best prospect in uh, the Kraken orga- organization right now with Maddie Beneers and what he's been doing as of recently. And that'll pretty much wrap up the episode. So uh, let's get cracking with some talk with the game against Arizona, shall we? I see what you did there. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully you liked it too. So yeah, going over into uh, pregame notes here, Grubauer gets the start in this one once again. And to be honest, I really thought Dreger should have played this game. I mean, you're playing a winless team going into the game. Uh, and, you know, Dreger came off of IR just a couple days before. So like, why not throw him in to action against a weak, weaker competition like this? Like, like why i don't know to me it was just a really weird move uh what do you think oh i completely agree i don't understand why they're playing grubauer so much out of the gate like he does have an injury history as a goaltender as well the last four or five years so i don't know why you're just overloading him right now maybe they don't expect to have a deep run or they're just trying to gain as many points as they can in the bank right now yeah, maybe that's it. But like they are playing him a crap ton. And I don't know. To me, it's it's questionable for sure. But like you said, maybe they are trying to rack up as many points early off as they can. But you're going to you're going to burn the guy out. But, you know, going into this game, they pretty much get off to a perfect start. You know, it was the very first play of the game when the the Kraken's top line goes out there with Wenberg, Schwartz and Eberle. They get a good dump in. Wenberg wins a puck battle behind the net. Eberly picks up a loose puck, picks up the loose change, walks out front, and backhands one in for a one nothing lead just 15 seconds into this one. Not a bad start, right? Not a bad start. Is there any better way to start the game? No, it's pretty much as perfect of a start as you could ask for. And then just seconds after that, um, after the puck drop, Alexiak sends a nice Really nice breakout pass to Tanev, who then finds a streaking Yanni Gord. And he just lasers one top shelf. And literally 59 seconds into this game, you have a 2 nothing lead. And you got to be pretty psyched about that. So there is a better start than one nothing just 15 seconds in. I guess 2 nothing a minute into the game sounds a lot better. Yeah, like at this point, fans probably thought like this game was almost in the bag already you're playing a winless Arizona team and you're up to nothing just 59 seconds in like can this game go bad I hope not <laughs> well unfortunately it kind of did um oh, no. you know right after this right after the they made it to nothing there Arizona put Scott Wedgwood in the game um so they pulled uh 
I don't even know this goalie, Benelka. I think it was his going to be his first start too in the league, but yeah, that's a rough way to to get called up and, and get into some uh, NHL action. But yeah, they put Scott Wedgwood into the game, and then of course, just another thirty seconds later, it's another breakdown in the neutral zone for the Kraken, and the Yotes take advantage as Anton Roussel rips a shot low glove on Grubauer on his. First shot against in the game. That's never a good sign when your goaltender is giving up uh, a goal at the first shot against, right? Yeah, that's never something you want to see. I mean, Arizona just saw it at the other end of the ice, and we both know how that turned out for their goalie there. Exactly. And then, yeah, just about halfway through the first, it was another great forecheck from the fourth line of the Kraken that caused a turnover behind Arizona's net. And Nathan Bastion was able to put one past Wedgwood to restore that two-goal lead. Overall, you got to be happy with that first period of play, though. Anytime you score three goals and only give up one, that's usually a recipe for success if you can keep it going for the next 40 minutes. Yeah, you're definitely doing something right when, you know, you've scored three goals. You've given up one, but, you know, this game is definitely in your hands and yours to lose. And, you know, unfortunately, in the second period, the Kraken would give up a goal on a soft turnover from Flurry, just trying to throw one up the boards but it would end up on a coyote stick and then right over out front to an open Christian Fisher. And, you know, he brings it back within one in this game. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a bad turnover there by flurry and just a soft play by the defense all around. Yeah. You can't have soft plays in your end period. It doesn't matter what you're trying to accomplish with the pass. It's gotta be hard. If he misses it, it goes out and you force the opposing team to come out and regroup in the neutral zone and give yourself a couple second break to refresh for their attack. Yeah, exactly. You you can't be giving up those soft plays like that. And yeah, that was an ugly one to give up, but you know, they still had a chance in this game. I mean, they're going into the third period with a one goal lead and we know this team's kind of struggled with that and early on in the season, uh, trying to hold those one goal leads going into the third. So you're facing the worst team in the league doing it. You got to think you're able to close it out, right? You would hope. Do they? Nope. They give up a goal just a minute into the third on another bad defensive play by Flurry. Deja vu. Yeah. Once again, he's uh, making a soft play there and, uh, they're able to walk right in, and I believe it was Lawson Krause who just snipes one top shelf. Um, you know, Flurry just gets beat to a puck. He goes around, takes the long way around the net, um, and the four checker there from Arizona just go- goes to the open side. They beat him to the puck, throw it to you know a streaking Lawson Krause coming in, and he snipes one top shelf. And you know, this team gives one up, and now we have a tie game. And then you know, they give up a damn power play goal. Six minutes left in the game. Their only penalty of the game to Arizona, who is second last in the league in power play percentage. And especially when you were just talking about last week, how good Seattle's penalty kill has been. This is a moment you really need them to come through and show with that 91%. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, now you're losing to the Yotes and this game has gotten away from you. Or so you think it's gotten away from you because just with a minute 18 left, it's Captain G who comes up clutch and absolutely uh, roofs a shot from the point with the goalie pulled, and he ties the sucker up, and it's heading to overtime. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. Right off the faceoff, 
after the tie game with a minute 18 left, the Yotes dump it in and it's Larson. Yeah, Adam Larson with one of the ugliest turnovers you're probably going to see all year long as he fans on his pass going around the boards uh, behind his own net. The Yotes pick it up, send it out front to a wide open Lost Kraus who sneaks it through the legs of Grubauer for the lead and the game winning goal. Arizona wins the first game of the year. And wow, I got to say, that was just horrendous, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, how do you lose this game having multiple two-goal leads to a team that has not won yet? That's something you got to be able to close out. And I can't believe we're still talking about after 10 games when it was the problem the first five games. It looked like they had it figured out. They got a few wins in a row. They're closing stuff down. I believe a couple 2-1, 3-1, or 3-2 wins there. And then you let this happen. Yeah, it definitely, it was just full of defensive breakdowns and bad goaltending that were the story in this one. And like we talked about, that's the stuff that they have needed to try to clean up uh, in earlier games this year. And, you know, to to have this happen against Arizona was just an ugly look for this team, for sure. And... You know, a little cool stat here, though. I mean, it sucks that it happened against um, us, against the crack in here, but uh, there's a little de- deja vu for Wedgwood in this game. Um, Adam Kimmelman tweets out after the game, uh, I think a reporter for the Yotes, 2017-2018 uh, season, Coyotes start their season 0-10-1. They claim goalie Scott Wedgwood off of waivers, and in Wedgwood's first game, gets the Coyotes their first win. Okay, fast forward, 2021-2022, a.k.a. this season. Coyotes start their season 0-10-1. They claim Scott Wedgwood off waivers, and in Wedgwood's first game, he gets the Coyotes their first win. That's That's freaking wild. (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely bonkers. Or what Biz would refer to as banana lands. (laughs) Banana lands. Banana lands. So that is that is absolutely bonkers. That's a crazy stat. And I don't know if it's the same. I know they would have claimed him off New Jersey the first time. Did that happen both times? I'm trying to remember, but I, I don't know 100%. Um, I don't know. I don't remember who they'd have claimed him off of. Either way, it was pretty insane. Um, <clears throat> what do you do other than scrap that game? and put it in the past and move on to your next game here against Vegas, right? Hopefully pick up two points there. Yeah, and hopefully have a have a much better performance uh, by your defense because, you know, turnovers galore in that last game. And then going into this game, they, they finally put Drieger in the net here. So he actually gets his first start, uh, first start of the year. Um, and then still no sign of McCann, though, as he uh, continued to be in COVID protocol. And then we did see uh, Marcus Johansson draw back into the lineup and he was put on a line with Geeky and Donskoy. So it was pretty cool to see him back in this one. Sucks that McCann uh, still wasn't in this game because he's a huge part of that offense right now. Yeah, McCann, you certainly like having as a secondary wave to your offense following up behind Schwartz, Everly, and Gord. You need that second push to kind of keep teams on their heels. Yeah, and if you look at his points per game, he's right up there or better than those players right now. But yeah, I still think he is not that top-line player, but a very, very good second-liner. 
but I think he's going to get every opportunity to, you know, push for that first line still on this team because there's been some struggles there for sure. But, you know, talking about this game in Vegas, the Kraken, you know, find themselves in front early with a goddamn power play goal. A what? Eberly, a power play goal. Holy shit. Yeah, no kidding, allowed? right? Uh, I guess so. Like, felt like it hasn't been for a while. But, yeah, they finally get a power play goal here. It's Eberly on the door, doorstep, and he's jumping on a rebound for his seventh goal in his last seven games. And that elusive streak of 0 for 23 is finally over. Thank God. Get that yeah. shit out of here. They needed that so badly. And of course, it's Eberly who's been on a heater lately, who's getting the job done and breaking that terrible streak. Uh, and that would make them four for 39 on the season so far. So still kind of ugly numbers, but at least that streak is broken and they can move forward from here on out and hopefully keep on uh, scoring on the power play because it was it was crazy. You know, watching them in preseason, I thought the, the power play was their biggest strength. And then... You walk into the season, and that's probably been their biggest struggle so far. So, you know, between that, it, you know, their defensive breakdowns and goaltending um, not being where it, it was expected to be. Yeah, it's tough to win a lot of games with those three things not going the way you'd hope. Exactly. And I was really liking the duo of uh, Gord and Tanev together. Like these two guys who have high motors and top notch shift disturbing abilities. The type of line that is made to piss off the other team every time they're on the ice. So I do like uh, having them together. I thought that was a really good look, or a good look in this game, and, and they were bringing it this game. Yeah, and they certainly clicked last game. You saw with that right off the opening hop, that stretch pass over across from Tanev to Gord. Like they're in motion together quick, and they kind of move the same speed together. So it's nice to see them producing. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It is good and. I love those players. You've seen, uh, you've seen Turbo take a big hit in this game by Braden McNabb, but he jumped right back up because I don't think he could slow that guy down. And I guess that's maybe why they call him Turbo, because he just doesn't stop, does he? That makes sense. It does make sense, right? And that, yeah, just before the end of this period, too, I, <laughs> I tweeted out how Drieger was just looking dialed in in this first period. And just, just after I sent that tweet, Vegas responded with a goal of their own, and it was Petriangelo with a point shot. Clean point shot through that Drieger just, you know, nicked off his glove a bit, but it found a way to sneak by and tie the game just before the end of the first. Way to jinx it. I know, right? That was definitely on me. And you could tell, you know, shots favored Vegas 11-7 to after the period, and you could tell Vegas was definitely pressing, and they definitely turned it up in the back half of that period. <clears throat> And yeah, not a whole lot of exciting action, but the Kraken did manage to get another power play in the second period. And I thought they looked, you know, still confident on their power play, had some good looks. Uh, they didn't connect, though, on their second chance of the game. Um, and then Vegas would take a rare face-off violation and Seattle would get their third look. But again, um, they weren't able to bury on the power play. Um, Alexiak had a really nice chance out front all alone there from a pass from behind the net, but the game would stay tied one, one with about eight 30 remaining in the second. Then in the final minute of the second, uh, the Gord line continues just to work and muck it down in the corners and, you know, outwork their opponents. And yeah, it was Donskoy who drove, 
he, he drew two defenders in. Then he throws the puck to Tanev in the corner, finds Gord out front in the slot, and he makes no mistake, puts the Kraken up two to one in the final minute. That's a big boost going into the second, right? You would certainly hope so, except for just seconds later, Vegas would once again tie the game in the final moments of the period when Dodonov, Dodonov puts in a rebound with just under 16 seconds left to go. I mean, that's a tough one to give up to. It was all Seattle in the second period. Shots now favoring us, 17 to 16, and you give up one with 16 seconds left. Yeah, that's that's a breaker right there because like there was even a stretch of about eight and a half minutes where Vegas didn't even have a shot on net in that second period. And, you know, Seattle is looking like they're taking over that game. They go up with less than a minute left in the second, and then straight away, once again, it's it's you know the opposing team tying the game up, uh, heading into the third period, and then to start the third period, just thirty seconds into the third, and Theodore Lasers one top shell from the point. Yep, three two Vegas. Exactly, it was a tough one. Tough, tough, tough one right there to give up. Um, and that's back-to-back games for the Kraken. You know, they give up goals with one minute or less to start the third period. Something they definitely need to clean up going forward, right? Yeah, you can't have that. I mean, that's an absolute morale killer for your team. you got to lock it up. I feel like that's becoming a trend. Yeah, and then immediately after, Larson takes a holding penalty and Vegas make makes it 4-2 on the power play, just less than two minutes into the third now. So less than two minutes into that third, you were going in with a 2-2 lead and all of a sudden it's 4-2 Vegas, just like that. And that's what a, you know, a, a good Vegas team can do to you is just jump on you like that. Even though they have a bunch of guys still injured and out on this one, uh, you got a 4-2 Vegas lead now. And, you know, now the Kraken are in a big hole in the third period here. Yeah, and that's what you see from those good teams where even if they're missing a couple guys from the top of their lineup, they've got the depth to still be a good team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they definitely do. And, you know, I, last episode we talked about the Jack Eichel trade and all that. And, you know, it's going to be a scary team once they're healthy and they have all those players back in that lineup. They're going to be pretty dominant, I think. They're going to be fun to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, they definitely will be. And yeah, maybe another minute goes by after after they make it 4-2. Tanev goes off for tripping, but you know, lucky enough they managed to kill it off and give themselves a fighting chance to come back in the game. But the luck would run out there because the Kraken couldn't find their way back against a tough Golden Knight squad. And, you know, who are now they're now 0-2 against this team on the season. Um, so any any real positives out of this one? Well, there wasn't a cheating kick and goal to win the game. So, you know, we'll take that, I guess. Yeah, that's that's a positive. And yeah, looking at some of the stats, like, yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, sorry. I was going to say Seattle also only gave up 12 shots in the last 40 minutes. But to give up three goals in that span, that's not the best outing for Dreger. But the guy hasn't played all year, so it's tough to just throw every blame on him for that one. Yeah, you definitely have to see more starts from Jager going forward. Like you said, that's his first that's his first game of the year. Like, you know, there's gonna be some rust. He's been injured for a little bit too. So for him to have to go into a tough game like that, that's that's a tough draw. 
And, you know, like we said, I, I even tweeted out, I thought Drager would start the game against the Yotes, but you know, they, they, Coach Hack's been liking to play Grubauer a shit ton, so that's what we ended up seeing. Well, he makes twice as much, so I guess he's got to play twice as much. Uh, you know, it kind of makes sense in a way, but, you know, when, when uh, Grubauer's had some struggles, I don't see why you don't throw Drigger in for a couple games in a row. And maybe we'll see that, too, later on. But yeah, moving on, game number 14 versus Anaheim. They're back home at this one, and this would be the first of six straight games at home for Seattle, uh, looking to bounce back after a couple tough losses in a row. And we finally see McCann back in this game, so that's exciting. We get McCann back in the in the lineup finally, and then we weren't sure about Yanni Gord. He was injured a bit in that Vegas game. He did return in the game, but... They had him listed as day-to-day going into this one. Uh, He was a game-time decision, but he did start. And, you know, shocker, Grubauer gets the start in this one as well, right? Taking on a a very hot Anaheim team who've won five straight. Yeah, who didn't see that one coming? Grubauer playing another game. Yeah, who didn't? So, yeah, it was a tough break for them, too, right off the bat. Um, Dunn tries to clear a puck in the crease, and he literally shoots it off Mason McTavish's skate and into the Kraken's net. Talk about a bad start in this one, right? Yeah, you got to feel bad for Dunn. I mean, I haven't watched a whole lot this year, but I feel like every time where I see a mistake from Dunn, it ends up being a big glaring one and usually ends up in the back of Seattle's net. Yeah, that's the rough thing. I think a lot of his uh, defensive breakdowns and mistakes have led to goals. Like, not just good chances, but straight goals. So, um, I don't know, maybe just on the wrong side of some puck luck for him early on. But, uh, I don't know. I, I don't expect that to continue with with a guy like Dunn. Hopefully, he can clean that up. And hopefully, it is just that bad puck luck that's going his way right now. Well, especially you saw that bounce off McTavish last night. I mean, that puck has everywhere to go, and it has to hit him and come straight back. Yeah, true. It's It goes straight back and then right into the net, right? The worst place for it to, to end up. But, yeah, I did not like this first period from, Vag- or from Seattle whatsoever. Um, I'd say it was one of the worst periods of hockey. Uh, they didn't generate any offense whatsoever. And if it wasn't for Grubauer, it probably would have been a much – different outcome in that period so you know i know we've been kind of bashing his game a bit but that first period at least was if it wasn't for him uh it would have been a much uglier start in this game yeah i mean that's the stuff you're looking to get from grubauer game in and game out so you get it now and you're thinking hell yeah like we got a chance and you'd hope that the roster in front of grubauer would have been ready to go for this game when they see that he's on fire for them he's there he's stopping tough pucks i mean 14 to 4 for shots in anaheim in that first period so they definitely didn't show up in front of them no not a good look when you're starting a six game homestand too you want to start that first game uh come out of the gates flying and set the tone for those next six games right exactly yeah but we did see a Quite a crazy second period, though. Kind of started off with Lazan throwing a big hit at the start of the second, and Comtois jumps in to defend his teammate on the play, which I thought was a little silly because it wasn't like a dirty hit. Yeah, it was a big hit against the boards and whatnot, but 
you know, it wasn't even that bad of a hit, but somehow the Kraken come out with the only penalty on the play because I guess they just don't call instigator penalties anymore, Durham. Well, that's odd. What happened to hometown refing too? Yeah, give us some kind of advantage here. We're getting screwed all year so far with it. But, you know, only a few seconds later, they did make of the makeup call when Carrick gets called for a hook. So we did see a pretty lengthy four on four and it, it was quite action packed, wasn't it? Yeah. You like seeing four on four. Cause it just opens up the ice for everybody out there. It's as close as you can get to overtime without going down to three on three, obviously. And you don't get to see that in regulation too much. So it's nice to see the speed pick up, get your faster players out there and see a little bit more of the talent side of the game. Yeah. And that would lead to Troy Terry. Who's been, on an absolute tear as of late for the Ducks. And he would walk into the slot, rip a shot, low blocker on Grubauer. Oh no, it's 2 nothing. Just like that, this game is kind of looking like it's about to slip away. And not so fast though, Eberle and Schwartz team up for a goal to get this game back within one. Both of those goals happening while on that four-on-four sequence. So that's a big goal from the Vets to get right there. Yeah, those are two guys that have certainly been hot lately carrying this team offensively. Yeah, and the action just kept coming after that goal too. Anaheim would win a face-off, and right off the face-off, they would blast one home, and it's a back to a two-goal lead for Anaheim. And then we got into some rough stuff, didn't we? Some more rough stuff in this game. Yeah, we see Jeremy Lozen and Josh Manson drop the mitts at center ice because, you know, they felt like getting to know each other a little bit better and say hello with their fists. Credit to Lozen, though, because although he's a big, tough defenseman, Josh Manson's no slouch either. That guy's a hammer. He's a tough son of a bitch. So I'd rate this one as one of the best Kraken fights this year because both guys were just throwing them. They were, eh? They were just throwing haymakers. That was a fun fight. Got the fans riled up. Uh, Yeah, after that, the, the intensity definitely picked right back up again. And Lozon... Definitely earned the takedown on that fight. And it seemed like that would that would help fire up his own team because McCann would come back down and throw a nice spin around shot on net and it would find its way past Grubauer or past Gibson. And just like that, we have a three-two game uh and still half a second period left to play. Yeah, that's what you want. And good for McCann being able to get one in his first game back from the COVID protocol there, too. Yeah, that's a huge way to kind of get yourself back into action, especially, you know, after a long stint on COVID protocol. Like he was he was gone for a big handful of games there. So good for him to get back on the score sheet and pick up right where he left off when he when he was first placed on it. And yeah, just when it looked like the game was about to settle down, Shattenkirk throws a friggin' weak wrister on net and it still finds its way through Grubauer. And just in my head, all I'm thinking is our goaltending is officially in shambles at this point because it has just been bad as of recently, hasn't it? Yeah, and after we just pumped his tires for that first period he had, he comes out and does this for the second. And it just makes you think of the last three or four games he's had, and it's just going, shit. It's killing the momentum of this team. They start to fly out there and things turn around and then they let in the softy and it's just brutal. How are you supposed to build momentum and go forward with that? Yeah, it's definitely a momentum killer. No doubt. Definitely a momentum killer sucks. Like, what are you going to do? Right? Like, you know, you, you, you got to press offensively 
your goaltender hasn't really showed up, but at the same time, like shots favored Anaheim 25 to 12 too. So um, at the same time, you know, that the team has to perform in front of him, but those were some pretty weak goals that Grubauer was letting in. So the game wasn't quite over yet as Wenberg and Everly find themselves in a two on one and Wenberg dishes over just a nice plate of spaghetti and Everly looks just hungry as hell and fires it past Gibson. We're back to a one goal hockey game with tons of time left in the third. Tons of time left in the third and not long after, after the Kraken give up another goal off a lost faceoff in the defensive zone and it's back to a two-goal deficit. Well, son of a bitch. I know. Can you guess what happened next, though? Goddamn Kraken won't die, baby. Jared McCann comes over the blue line, cuts to the middle, and unleashes a laser beam top shelf. 5-4 hockey game, half a period left. We're going for it. Yeah, holy smokes, right? What a crazy game this turned into. And that Seattle, the Seattle just kept continued to press on here and they made a lot of great chances, especially the line of Wenberg, Eberle, and Schwartz. They were just giving it everything they had to tie this game up. And then while we had all the momentum, but we didn't have any sustained pressure in the offensive zone, Coach Hack pulls the goalie with 250 left in this game and Anaheim seals the game just like that. What do you think of that? decision by coach hack there durham i don't know if i agree with it i mean there's three minutes left in the game you don't have pressure and i just it's a little confusing one for me it was a weird one because like even the players looked confused i don't think i don't think anyone on the ice even realized that the goalie was pulled and i think that's why it looked so bad too because like they had so much pressure and i think what you got to do is in that last three minutes is, is, you know, get that puck in the offensive zone, have sustained pressure before you pull the goalie. And they didn't have that. And all of a sudden the net was empty and you lose this game because of that. Yeah. Not just with that empty netter, but you know, Anaheim would move on to add a second one after that. So now it's a seven, four look on the scoreboard and it doesn't even look like that you lost a hard game, which it was. Yeah. It doesn't reflect the score of the game, um, the way it was kind of played out there. Um, but yeah, give me your thoughts on this game. It was a crazy second period, crazy third period there, and then a pretty deflating ending, uh, you know, on a decision by Hackstall at the end. So just give me your thoughts on that. You know, it's a disappointing game because especially this one coupled with the Vegas, these are divisional matchups, right? Like this is stuff you got to start winning because then playoffs doesn't just look like a bit of a stretch, but it starts to look like a pipe dream. Yeah. You got to be able to find a way to close out these games and make it a, make it a battle. And you can't let your guys down at the end like that pulling way too early. I don't think. No. And that was a not going to lie. Pretty bad game from Grubauer. I don't think that's uh, up for discussion too much. Like he had a great first period kind of fell apart after that though. Yeah. So now you've lost what three games in a row here and you're moving on to a big Saturday night game against Minnesota. 
for oh, that should know, be the easy. 15th game of the, of the season. Yeah. And you know, after beating them four one in an earlier matchup, they're going to be, you know, looking for some redemption in this game. Right. Yeah. Let's see how Grubauer handles that game. Yeah. Because you know, he got the start once again. Um, and then we did see uh, Colin Blackwell, who made his season debut with the Kraken in this game, which did force them to make a roster move and place uh, Riley Shahan on waivers earlier in that day. Um, tough for him, for sure. But, you know, let's be honest, he hasn't done a whole lot as of late and definitely looked like the odd man out uh, to send down. Yeah, I mean, he probably earned his first month of sticking with the team by having such a strong preseason that he did. But like you said, he hasn't done anything really since then. No. And just, you know, seeing today that he did clear waivers. So he will be down with uh, the checkers and, you know, adding some veteran presence there and yeah, fight for his way to come back up and, and play some more NHL games. So it's not like he's gone, he's still part of the organization. And the one great thing with him is he is really good on faceoffs. Uh, it's something this team just struggles with so much. So. We'll see. We'll, we'll see if we see him back in a Kraken jersey sometime soon. Perhaps we do. Perhaps we don't. Time will tell. As soon as somebody gets hurt, I'm sure he'll get the call. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this game, I kind of missed the first period of it. Uh, I was busy working, but from the looks of it, the Kraken did come out and it was a pretty hard hitting game to start off. Um, so they definitely had some high pressure, high intensity, but it would be Rem Pitlick who opens the scoring in this one uh, when he takes a feed from Grub, uh, from Greenway while driving the net hard and finds his first NHL goal of his career when he sneaks one through the arm of Grubauer. I mean, it's always nice to see someone get their first goal in the show, but man, I just hate that it happens against us. Yeah, it's a, it always sucks when it, it's happening against your team, right? And God damn, the kid wasn't done there. We fast forward here to the second period. He takes advantage of Jared uh, Jared McCann turnover, and when uh, he takes yeah he takes advantage of a Jared McCann turnover, and he puts it off of when when McCann puts it off Hartman's skate there trying to make a play in the neutral zone, uh, but it would end up giving Rem Pitlick a look all alone on a little breakaway on Grubauer and he would dangle him all the way to his second career goal in the NHL and second of the night. Yeah, and with 40 seconds left, deja vu happens. And the Kraken turn over another puck in this game. And guess who? Rem Pitlick, breakaway, fake backhand, forehand, hat-trick goal. Almost picture-perfect replay of his second one. Just dangles Grubauer out of the crease there. I know. It looked exactly the same. He did the same fake. Grubauer bit the exact same way. And yeah, this is Rem Pitlick's game. Rem Pitlick, three, Kraken, zero. And that's a killer goal to give up at the end of the second period there. But like we said, hell, hell of a game so far for Pitlick. Score your first three goals uh, in the same game like that. And just within two periods is pretty insane. Just sucks that it happened against the Kraken, right? Yeah, let's see what's he got in store for the third period. Can he keep this streak going? I hope not. Yeah, I hope not too. Uh, it would be the Kraken, though, who'd be getting a, a look on the power play in the third. And it's a couple of Swedes who team up to break the shutout uh, as Wenberg finds Marcus Johansson for a beautiful tip and goal. Just like that, it's back to a two-goal game. 
Well, Kraken get another look on the power play too shortly after that. And they've really kept applying the same strategy where they get the puck down low and try and get the guy in the slot for a one-timer. And they did get some good looks, but they weren't able to get back-to-back power play goals, which, you know, isn't shocking from the worst power play in the league. Yeah, not that shocking, we got to say. And then with five minutes left in the game, Hackstall once again works his magic with pulling the goalie and at a questionable time again, leading to another empty net, uh, empty netter with plenty of time left in the game and essentially ruin the Kraken's opportunity to get back into this one. What makes matters worse too is Seattle scores here with a minute left. So if you eliminate that empty netter and you'd wait until the final minute, now you're only chasing one goal. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference, right? Like you could have been chasing one goal with one minute left, that's much more doable to come back from than, you know, they score with that minute left, but they're still down two goals. So uh, tough loss, crack and lose it 4-2. They dropped their sixth of their last seven. And Durham, is this just an expansion team, you know, doing what we expect an expansion team to do? Is this going to be them for the rest of your, rest of their year? Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean... Everyone thought when they saw the exposed list, holy shit, they're going to pull a Vegas and either just make a bunch of trades for those that they're not going to take and protection trades, or they're going to walk out of this draft with an absolute wagon of the team. And I'll be damned, they did neither. After the draft, it comes out, there's no expansion trades involved, which is just mind-bottling to begin with. And then you look at who they take, and it's like, well, you didn't even take the best players available. No, they didn't. The, there's definitely some good talent left out there, and it makes you question some of those decisions. Um, one, like, you know, obviously there's some big names out there. Tara Sango, Carol, Carey Price, like, good players left unprotected for sure, right? But I take a look at, like, a guy, um, like, they took Mason Appleton, and I get, like, he had a great year last year, but there was a guy on Winnipeg, uh, a good defenseman who's right-handed, which they lack, who they didn't take. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, you got the whole idea of we're building a team concept, and if they were if they were to just come out and say afterwards, look, we're building for five years from now, I think everyone would just been like, all right, yeah, we get it. But mm-hmm. then you have the expansion draft you do where people thought maybe that's what they were doing, but then they go out and sign Schwartz and Grubauer in the offseason. So you're like, ah, shit, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, they still have a really good top four. Dylan DeMello is the player I was I was talking about there. I, I just drew a, a blank with his name. But, you know, I thought that would have been a nice addition for the right side on D. But, you know, they, they still did good. They have some good contracts back there. Uh, they still have Adam Larson, good guy. But, yeah, a lot of questionable moves. And not only that, like, what did they pick up a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick? That's all they did for extra picks. So that was that was definitely questionable as well. Yeah, there was uh, some things I didn't quite understand about that. I feel like you probably got screwed. I mean, Washington ends up making a better expansion draft trade than Seattle did, if you break it down. Seattle gets Vanacek from Washington. And they left Dylan exposed as well. So like they could have acquired Brendan Dillon in the draft. They didn't. They took Vanacek. Washington would trade Brendan Dillon for two second round picks 
and then they would take a second round pick and trade it to Seattle to get Vanacek back. So if Seattle just takes Dylan, they'd be up a second round pick. But now Washington gained a second round pick to essentially lose Dylan in expansion. Yeah, you make a really good point there. That's that's a questionable one. And yeah, we could go back, look at this expansion team or go back to when they picked and question a lot of their moves. Um, but I want to know what's wrong with the Seattle team right now. What is wrong with this team right now? Lost six of their last seven. What's going on with this team? Well, lately, I think it's been turnovers at the danger zones, you know, especially in the defensive blue line there. That's killing this team. Any turnovers, just quick attack coming back. They don't seem to be depending that very well. The neutral zone's been a bit of a problem transition-wise. You know, you get the odd one that looks real good for us where we get a rush going in, but it feels like a lot more of those transitions are coming back towards us. And goaltending we simply need guys to stop more pucks i mean if it's from the perimeter or flat on the ice those are the ones you're probably supposed to have everyone talks about how good goaltenders are down low and i mean that game against arizona what three of them go right on the ice yeah and that's the worst team in the league supposedly yeah no i goaltending has been in shambles lately like and it's funny everybody predicted well, it was expected, you know, you look at Drieger and, and Grubauer and you have a combination of them two as your goaltenders, like you should be ranked with one of the, the best goaltending tandems in the league going in, right? They just haven't proved it yet. They just haven't shown what they're capable of yet. And it's led to a lot of ugly losses as of late. But yeah, looking at that neutral zone, I think they've given up quite a bit of... Uh, turnovers in that neutral zone and like you said it's leading to a lot more rushes the other way so they need to clean up that neutral zone um, because if if they don't do that we're just going to see the same trend continue so you could tell this team's definitely frustrated right now with how many losses and they're gonna have to you know fight hard and play the style that i think they were built to play uh which is outwork their opponents um, and they, they need to get back to doing that and taking care of the defensive side of the puck first before cheating in, in the offensive side going forward. It's funny, kind of, to me, at least. At the start of the year, we were talking about how well these things were being done. Goaltending was doing great. It was strong defensively. The one thing we needed was Schwartz and Everly to get going. We needed our big offensive guns to be firing. Well, now our big offensive guns are firing and everything else has just gone to shit. Yeah, exactly. They're stepping up. They're, you know, finally playing that hockey they're expected to be playing and, you know, leading the team offensively. But now it's everything else that's kind of seemed to be taking a step back. So, you know, I get it. It's it's hard when you have a Vegas team who just came into the league a few years ago and they set the bar so high and I think that put a lot of pressure or expectations from Kraken fans on what this team should be doing. But at the end of the day, it's an expansion team and it might be better in the long run for them to be a a losing team. Essentially. I think with you take a look at the drafts coming up 2022, 2023, there was some, big names out there. There's a lot of talent, especially in those top 10 picks. 
we'll definitely break into that in the future, maybe closer to world junior time when you're going to see some of those players playing. But, you know, it might be better for this team to um, struggle to get some of those top picks in the long run. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, everyone wants to joke about how it's not an absolute guarantee you're going to get those top picks. Oh, look at Detroit, the losers of the lottery. They move down four spots every year. Yeah, look at Detroit now. Are you kidding me? They're fun to watch again. They're absolute assholes to play against. They're putting pucks in the opposition's net. And every game that they play is a game. Sure, it's not instant, immediate success, but look at where they've come from the last five years. Yeah, they've taken some huge steps. And when you look at the race for the Calder, um, I think two of the top three guys, in my opinion right now, um, are from that Detroit squad. And those guys would be, you know, Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider. Like you said, their picks fell. These are some guys they they chose with those picks. I remember Moritz Sider was a big reach at the time. Um, or so but, we thought. Or so we thought. You know, a lot of people were shocked. But Stevie Y knows what he's doing there. And, you know, he's got a gem in Moritz Sider, especially for a top right-handed defenseman. And then... Um, all credit to Lucas Raymond. I mean, we watched him live at the under 18 worlds and I think we were blown away with just how good he was. And, you know, ever since that, uh, you know, watching him and then Alexander Holtz from the New Jersey devils, like those two were going off for quite a while. And yeah, he's just going off. Like Lucas Raymond's just, just been a beast this year. Hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, like you said, two guys of the top three that would be finalists are Detroit. And I think if you were to ask anybody who gets to vote on that award right now, both of those players are in their top three. And then whoever the third is, is randomized. I think it's a big field after that, but it's definitely the two from Detroit running ahead with it for the caller. Yeah, agree 100%. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets If either team scores a goal this week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back to Keeping Up with the Krakens. Durham, I think we got some tweets from some fans last night. Uh, So I tweeted out uh, that, you know, Kraken Twitter we're not happy with, with Haxtell after that game last night against Minnesota. So I asked people what needs to change any questions recording the next pod and would 
tomorrow, I said, and would be happy to discuss any of the thoughts. So we had some feedback. So we're just going to go over some of those uh, tweets and give our thoughts on it. So starting off with Trevor Lee, uh, he said, patience. We're 15 games into the existence of this franchise, and we can't all be Vegas. Wins will come. I will give coach the benefit of the doubt for a year or two. What do you think about it? Well, it's interesting. I mean, everyone wants to preach patience, but just how much patience do you preach? And I know he says a year or two for Hackstall there, and I totally agree. It's not quite fair to judge the guy 15 games into the season. But is a year with a team fair enough either, really? Are you going to give the guy one season and say, yeah, you know what, it ain't working? No, I, I, I like Trevor Lee's point here um, because I said it on an earlier pod too that I would give Coach Haxall, you know, at least the first year minimum, bare minimum, and, you know, see how things are in that second year. I think that second year, you know, maybe 20, 30 games in, see where you're at. Um, you know, if it looks like it's questionable decisions coming from him all the time, maybe you are seriously looking at a new coach right away. So, no, I agree with him, though. You you do have to be patient. Um, and usually it does take 20 to 30 games for players to really learn their new coach's systems. So, um, you know, a good example um, was Florida when they got Quenville. Um, you know, it took them a whole year to kind of learn his systems and you know people thought they're going to be pretty good right away with him but you know it didn't it wasn't until after a full year into the the second season with Quenville where you seen that team really improve and, and be a really good team under his uh under his coaching so thank you Trevor Lee for that reply moving on here uh Matt Dubin replies neutral zone plays dreadful too much dump and chase, sloppy passing, sloppy transitions, too many lapses in intensity. Thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know about the dumping it in. I do agree the neutral zone has been horrendous. Like you gotta I do think our forwards have speed. That's one of their qualities that is gonna be better for them across the league, is they're fast. You got Tanev, you got Gord, they can certainly be flying out there. So mm-hmm. sometimes it might be better to your game plan to use an advantageous dump in where you kind of suck the D up to the blue line there and then have a soft chip into a corner where the goaltender can't play it or just above the line there and have them time it right where they curl across with speed and cross the blue as the puck gets in and beat that defenseman. But other than that, I don't know. I like, I totally agree with them that the neutral zone has been bad, but I don't Definitely. mind dumping the puck in. Yeah. I think a couple of the lines are built for dump and chase. Um, because it's a hard nose, hard hitting type of game. And a couple of these Kraken lines are definitely built for that, but he's definitely right with as of late, sloppy passing, sloppy transitions. And I do think that they have, yeah, a couple lapses lately in intensity and they need to get back to outworking the other team and uh, bringing that intensity every night. They, uh, they definitely haven't the last couple games as much as they should have been, um, especially at home. So Thanks for the reply, Matt. Definitely like it. Uh, moving on, cracking it open says, just start Drigger three games in a row. Hey, you know what? Why not? Why not? Give him a bit of a run of, of games and see if he can, uh, you know, generate some momentum for this team and, and get hot and, you know, lead to a nice win streak for this team. 
So we'll see. That could definitely happen. I could see that happening for sure. What do you think? I mean, they're definitely willing to play goaltenders multiple games in a row. They've shown that with Grubauer. He said he was riding the hot hand earlier, putting Grubauer in. So I don't know what his excuse will be now for just riding Grubauer still, because he certainly isn't the hot hand. No, hot garbage hand, maybe. <laughs> no, well, I won't bash him too hard here. Ooh. I still love Grubauer. He's still an elite goalie. It's a, definitely a rough patch, but I definitely wouldn't mind seeing Drigger play three games in a row. Um at least get two games in a row, you know, get, get comfortable with the squad. Uh, you know, he's only really played practice in one game. So we'll see if that happens. Hopefully it will. And then we have uh, at Ruben of, uh, at Ruben U of T uh, who replied, I watch every single game. Yeah. It's been questionable to pull Gru early versus ducks and wild, but the guys just need to protect the puck better and execute in the offensive zone. Kraken are playing sound hockey, just not executing thoughts on that. I think he's right. But one thing watching too is they can't, I don't know. Cause we talked about they're just not very good as well. Like if we're going to be a bottom dwelling team is execution going to be, at the top of our ability to be able to do so. And you watch the games and a lot of Seattle's offense comes from perimeter play. Like it's a lot of down low with a quick pass to the middle, trying to get something there, but there's no sustained pressure in the middle. There's no, there's a lot of one and dones. There's no second opportunities. Or if there is, it's from way out at the perimeter. So I'd like to see some more there of attacking the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would like to too. And you know, I, Totally agree. Definitely been questionable with those goalie pulls. Um, they do need to start executing a bit more. Um, and and like you said, the Kraken are playing decent hockey. Like even those power play, even that power play streak, like they had a lot of good looks, a lot of shots on all those power plays, but the execution hasn't been there for this team uh, as much as it should be. And you know, something's got to give there. And like you said, I think just finding more uh, play and being able to have those second and third opportunities and being more aggressive and owning some of that middle of the ice is going to help bring that out with this team instead of being such a perimeter team, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone tracks now shot slots and shot passes, slot shots and slot passes. So if you're not at the top of the league in that, and you're obviously not attacking the middle very well, or you're being defended too easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for all those replies, everyone. That's awesome. Uh, definitely keep those coming. We're definitely going to be asking fans for more input and reviewing it on the pod. So, you know, we love all the feedback. Uh, it gives us great things to talk about on the pod. Um, but taking a look ahead, we have a couple games this week, starting off with a Wednesday matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks. What's your expectation for this match, Durham? Well, having it be in Wednesday, having a bunch of days off, they better come out absolutely just buzzing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Plenty of rest coming into this one. And the Blackhawks, too. They have plenty of rest coming in into this one. They haven't played since November 12th. That was Friday, so they have the extra day of rest. And they're they're coming off a three. They've won their last three games here in a row, beating the Preds in overtime, uh, beating the Penguins in a shootout, and then beating the Coyotes 2-1. So they're all close games, but credit to the Blackhawks who have started off absolutely atrocious this season. 
after making a lot of big moves in the offseason, acquiring uh, elite defender Seth Jones, uh, you know, Vesna winning goalie. goalie. Yeah, Vesna winning goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, they definitely made a bunch of huge moves, but they've kind of been in shambles their, themselves as of late. But looking like a team who recently is kind of turning it around and getting back to uh, the winning ways. So makes for an interesting matchup coming up, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of a battle of who's worse right now. Yeah, yeah, which is a bit unfortunate, but you, you got to look at this game and think um, you can't lose this. You can't we lose will this get fourth game. place. <laughs> yeah, some semi-pro uh, semi pro there, I believe. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. We will get fourth place. But, man, you can't lose this matchup. Uh, you got to find a way to win it or else – you know, my prediction last pod of them losing five games in a row becomes true. So don't let that happen. Please find a win against the Blackhawks. They got a lot of high skill up front. They definitely, you know, beat the Kraken with their offense. If you're looking, you know, from a comparable basis, team to team, you could argue in goaltending, they have that beat as well. I think the Blackhawks are weaker on D, even though they did make some good moves on their back end. So it's going to be an interesting matchup, but I do expect a win. And yeah, it's hard saying that after coming off four straight losses, but this is a game where they got to find a victory and just get back to their style of play and outwork the Blackhawks in order to earn that win. Yeah, you definitely want to come out with two points there. You got to come out with two points. And then, yeah, later in the week, they're going to be playing uh, Colorado on Friday as well. Fuck. That's gonna be a tough matchup. I know Colorado's dealing with a lot of uh injuries right now, or they're going back and forth with players who have been injured. Uh, McKinnon's gonna be out for the next it looks like three weeks, three to four weeks. Uh, so they don't have in the him in the lineup. But if you look at their last two games, it looks like you know, Avalanche have been off to a pretty bad start of what they were expected to do. The last couple games, it looks like they're starting to find the Colorado Avalanche game that we expected to see at the start of the year, you know, coming off some big wins, a 7-1 victory off the Canucks and a 6-2 victory off the Sharks. So what do you expect from this game? Well, I expect Colorado to be loose feeling and flying around because they don't have Nate Max screaming at him for eating a fucking crouton. <laughs> yeah yeah it's, he, he yells at his teammates for eating poorly so he's got high expectations there but yeah that's what a leader does right so that's why he wears the c on his chest but it looks like this colorado game or this colorado team is definitely looking like they're on the rise here coming up they do play wednesday against the canucks so it's not like they're coming in uh with any more rest but they look like they're turning a corner, so this is going to be a, just a tough matchup for the Kraken. Um, but they got to find a way to hold their own at home and be the better team coming out in the first 10 minutes of that game. What are the odds that Grubauer starts both games? I hope not. I kind of do want to see him uh, start against Colorado, though, not going to lie. His you former know, team. His former team. And here's a question. Would you give the the advantage to the goalie in this situation or the other 
or, you know, the former team full of the players who shot on him on practice all the time. What do you think? I think I'd want to go, I'd lean towards it going towards the players because they would know, I mean, obviously the goalie would know everybody's tendencies, but at the same time, I don't know if he's 100% going to be reading every single player in every position and what's coming across and what they're going to be doing. Whereas all the players just got to know, all right, I just got to get it up on Gru. I just got to go across over and up. That's it. Whereas you yeah, have to read fair. more information in a smaller amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely like to see Drieger play against Chicago and get Gru back in it against Colorado. And, you know, hopefully that sparks him up a bit and gets him pumped up to get revenge against his former team who didn't want to give him the money or the term uh, to stay there. And they went with the trading for Darcy Camper and giving up assets rather than sign and grew for what would probably be a relatively close deal and, you know, would not have to give up assets. So got some pretty good matchups coming up, both at home, excited, excited for them. Definitely. They're going to be good. You're going to be watching a lot of elite players on the other teams as well. So it's always fun to, to see players like Patrick Kane and Miko Rantanen and, you know, to bring Jonathan Taves, the list goes on and on, right? Landis Cog. So a lot of fun players, Kale McCarr, probably the most exciting defenseman to watch in the game right now. So some good matchups ahead for sure. Yeah, certainly some exciting hockey coming up next week. Mm -hmm. And we can't end this pod without talking about the best prospect in Seattle Kraken organization right now. And that is Matty Beneers. Second overall pick, 2021, who's been on an absolute tear. Why don't you tell us about Matty Beneers and what he's done lately? Well, he has been on fire since we talked shit about him last time. I mean, last time we spoke about Beneers, we were kind of questioning his offensive output. Five points in eight games at the collegiate level, where he was a point a game last year. He's a returning player this season. We both talked about how we wanted more out of him. Well, We got exactly that. Since we spoke about him, he had seven goals and three assists in four games. So not too bad. That gives him now on the season as many two-goal games as he has games with no points. That's freaking phenomenal. Yeah, he's been absolutely phenomenal for Michigan as of late. That's crazy. He had a stretch three straight games where he scored two goals in those games. And then his most recent game against Penn State, he puts up a four-point game. So, you know, back to that Matty Beneers player that uh, we all thought we had when uh, when he was drafted by Seattle. And a great time for him to start to get hot, too, because, uh, you know, he's going to be a big part of that uh, U.S. team for the World Juniors. And you know, I tweeted out earlier, I thought he would be assistant captain for sure of this team, uh, of that team, sorry. And, you know, I don't give him the captaincy because I think it's going to be a different player, but he's definitely going to be a huge leader and uh, a huge offensive force looking for back-to-back gold for the U.S. team for sure, right? Yeah, my dumbass last time we spoke about him couldn't remember if he was eligible for the World Juniors this year, which obviously he was. The kids, like, just turned 19. But yeah, he's going to be a massive part for that World Junior team. Him and Jake Sanderson, I'm assuming you were talking about, going to be captain there. Yes, yes, good call. 
So, you know, you got an absolute anchor on the back end and now you've got the veneers that everybody thought they were going to be getting leading your forward core. Like us looks dangerous. Yeah. You know, they're going to be right up top there competing and looking for a back-to-back gold. And I don't recall, I don't think the U S has ever done that in the world juniors had a back-to-back gold. So um, they're definitely going to be giving themselves a great opportunity with, with the players they'll be, they'll have on that team. And I think Maddie Beneers is going to be leading the way offensively for that team. Yeah, I certainly agree. You think he, uh, I definitely think that when his season is up here with Michigan, I think he signs his pro contract and sees NHL games this season. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And when that happens, that's going to be a very, very exciting time uh, to be a Seattle Kraken fan and just a hockey fan in general, because this is going to be an elite player coming into the league. And correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, other than Cole Sillinger, is he going to be the only other player potentially that sees NHL ice time from that draft? Well, McTavish has been playing. That's true. Totally blanked on that. Mason McTavish has been playing as well. But yeah, other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot from uh, the 2021 draft who have seen NHL ice. And I think that was a big expectation anyways with this draft class. With so many of the top of the draft being college players as well. Yeah, I mean, everyone exactly. was kind of just wondering it was going to be Owen Power or is anyone else going to make it? And even mm. with Cole Sillinger, some guys got, I think, their eyes open a little bit and thought that was a bit of a surprise him sticking around, but he's showing that he stays in the NHL quite well. Yeah, no, he definitely has been. He's been putting up some, some points with Columbus there. Been, been really fun to watch. So he's been uh, quite the pick for them to take at what was it? 11, 12, I think 12, 12 overall. Well, yeah. Since 11th was forfeited. That's true. Yeah. 11 was forfeited. Suck it. Yotes. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, yeah. if we can talk shit much they just beat us for their first fucking win <laughs> i know <laughs> tragic but yeah great discussions today thanks for listening fans join us next week as we break down the games against chicago and colorado and keep you up to date with everything kraken related also i'll be doing a live watch long for one of those games so stay tuned for updates on our twitter account uh for that so that's at up w krakens uh on twitter it'll be tons of fun uh to watch and join in a in a conversation uh so it'll be really really neat so definitely join us for that it'll be part of the hockey podcast network so keep your your ears on watch for that we'll have all the updates on our twitter page uh so thank you for coming on again durham cheers everyone and have yourselves a great week and we'll talk soon